We are back on air with Alex Mancini, the late night lawyer. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back. Welcome. It's been some time now and uh, we're glad to be back due to popular demand. I know a lot of you have been asking, where are we? What's going on? Why are we not on the air? Where's the podcast? Well, we are back. We've had to take a bit of time out to recharge, to prepare for this new adventure that we're all going to go on now. We have some amazing guests lined up on our show. We're going to be airing the show now weekly. We have a new producer, as you're aware, a new studio, which is very fancy, and uh, we are ready to get on with the show and present you some amazing stories. This is The Late Night Lawyer Show. My name's Alex Mancini. I'm back. I'm glad to be here with you all. I have to offer my sincere thanks to all the people that have emailed in, giving highlights of uh, season one and giving all their thoughts and, uh, and praise for how our interviews have gone over the past 10 episodes and leading into this next season. So where are we now? We are still in lockdown in the UK, as everyone's aware. We're just coming out of the uh, the height of it. And uh, thankfully, things are starting to settle and uh, things are slowly starting to ease across the country as um, we try to get out of this mess altogether. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a midweek late night lawyer. It's the 3rd of March. We're heading towards spring. The sun is shining. Things can only get better for us all. Who have we got on the show tonight? We've got two special guests on a very, very topical subject that has hit the US on uh, various TV stations. We have firstly, Nadine Madal. She's one of the directors at Mancini Legal and she heads up the family unit. She is on the show along with a new member of the team. Her name is Jessica Pesh. She is the operations director at Mancini Legal and she manages private clients. One of the main topical features that we have today is we are looking at powers of attorney and guardianships specifically based on the show that has aired across the US framing Britney Spears. As everyone knows Britney Spears is a global pop star who's um, had a massive success at the beginning of her career. Unfortunately due to uh, many professional personal pressures she's not had an easy time since the start of her fame each relationship she's had in her life has been publicly ridiculed by the media. Even her relationship with her own children has had massive highlights by the media and the paparazzi. Due to these pressures, and what I'm assuming are some of the material mental health issues which she's had to cope with. Almost 13 years ago, uh, Britney Spears, who's now 39, uh, was placed under legal conservatorship that removed her own control over her finances and well-being and her career and put this in the hands of her father, Jamie Spears. Her court-appointed conservator being her father, Jamie Spears, and since his appointment, he's been under extreme ridicule for the management of her daughter's finances and her treatment and her affairs. I mean, without doubt, it's highlighted hugely in the documentary, which has been brought to light last week in the US media and uh, we see Britney very much as a vulnerable adult I think in need of help and in need of a lot of help by her legal team so we're going to be touching on these subjects today because they're, they're particularly poignant in the UK as well as well as the US and we're going to be doing a bit of a comparator between the two this is without doubt a highly topical area 
affecting people up and down the country and the story that this show has brought without doubt does echo with a lot of people who are suffering and who are struggling to basically deal with how powers of attorney have been distributed and also when it becomes applicable to a vulnerable adult. So now I'm going to take it over to the guests. Welcome to the Late Night Lawyer Show. Okay, so I'm going to be introducing to the show Nadine Madal. Nadine, can you give us a quick overview of what you do? Hi, yes, thanks for having me. My name is Nadine. So my primary practice area is family law. Broadly, I advise families who are going through relationship breakdown and need assistance with resolving either their financial matters or their child arrangements. And that's me. Excellent. Thank you very much, Nadine. Turning over now to Jessica Pache, live from Boston, Massachusetts. How are you, Jessica? Hi there. Thanks for having me. No problem. Bit of an introduction to yourself? Sure. So as Alex said, my name is Jessica Pache and I'm an attorney in the United States and I'm licensed to practice law in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Here in the States, my primary practice area is estate planning and elder law, which is the equivalent to private client practice in the United Kingdom. Generally, my job involves advising on how to protect assets and reduce tax liability, dealing with disposition of assets upon death, and getting the proper people in place to assist with management of one health and finances. Fantastic. Brilliant. Right. Very topical area as I've opened the show. This show is obviously directly linked to a documentary which aired in the US last week, Framing Britney Spears. We're going to talk today about how that documentary applies to everyday life here in the UK and in the US, and also how it links to the deputyship lasting power of attorney system we have in the UK, and directly compare that with the US system. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to turn to Jessica Give us a bit of an overview, Jessica, how the whole Britney uh, documentary ties in with um, deputyship, guardianship, and the US system, and I guess the pros and cons for the system, and how we read into this documentary. Sure, absolutely. So the United States works a bit differently than the United Kingdom in terms of our legal system. We do not have a uniform legal system across the country. As I'm sure everyone is aware, the United States is comprised of 50 states, and each state is allowed to make its own laws at that state level. And so the rules for conservatorship in Massachusetts, where I'm based, can be very different from the rules in California which is the jurisdiction that has venue over Britney Spears' conservatorship. And after doing some research, I did find out that the rules between these two states vary quite significantly. In Massachusetts, we have a separation between the role of someone who is appointed by the court to deal with a protected person's health. We call the protected person the individual who needs a conservatorship or a guardianship. And the protected person is placed under a guardianship when they need help making decisions related to their health, and they're managed by that guardian. And then when a protected person needs help with the management of their finances, they're placed under a conservatorship and has a court-appointed conservator. And while I'm not an attorney in California, my understanding of the law there is that guardians are appointed to assist with incapacitated minors with their health and finances, and conservators are appointed to assist incapacitated or incompetent adults with their health and finances. But despite these differences, there's one major factor that remains true and significant in these proceedings, no matter what state you live in. A court does not lightly take away one's ability to have autonomy over their health and finances. 
So when you're asking the court to appoint a conservator, the petitioner has to demonstrate to the court that the protected person is unable to manage their affairs appropriately. And in most states, you need to provide some evidence, like a medical certificate signed by a licensed physician who attests that the person in question, the protected person, lacks capacity to make these decisions for themselves. In Massachusetts, the court will even limit the scope of a guardianship or conservatorship if the person in question is able to do some things on their own. For example, while a person may not have the ability to competently manage their own finances adequately, but they can do some things like pay their bills, they can have spending money to be responsible for, write a check, a court may not take away that person's access to their own assets entirely. Looking at the Britney Spears case, I would have to imagine that to be under conservatorship, her father probably presented some appropriate proof to demonstrate to the court that she needed help. And another major factor of significance is how this conservatorship is managed. Again, while I can't adequately speak to California's laws, in Massachusetts, if a conservator seeks to make certain decisions regarding the disposition of a protected person's estate, in most cases, you have to get the court's approval. And for guardianship proceedings, you're required to report to the court what medications the protected person is on, the purpose of them, and again, that those medications are in the best interest of that person. Each year, the conservator and guardian has to report to the court. They have to account to the court how the protected person's assets are being spent. And if that conservator views their discretion, then that conservator could be on the hook to pay back any monies that he or she spent inappropriately and pay it back to the protected person or the protected person's estate if they've passed away. And the court will make a determination every year, again, if that conservatorship or guardianship is necessary. I think the big question at hand here is that Brittany's tried to remove her conservatorship but I believe the court denied her petition. And she's now requested to have a professional conservator, a bank, to um, work with her dad to manage assets as a co-conservator. The other major factor I would just like to point out here, which I think is pretty important, and I'm eager to hear if this is true in the, the United Kingdom, but typically when you're appointed as a guardian or conservator in the United States, it's usually because someone lacked having the appropriate documentation in place, appointing someone to make decisions for your behalf. In the United States, we have a healthcare proxy that you would appoint to make medical decisions for you when you're not able to. And we also have powers of attorney where you would appoint someone to make financial decisions for you when you need help or you're not able to. I don't know if Brittany had those documents. I'm assuming she didn't, or if she did, her father probably, along with his petition to the court, contested the appointment of the people named in those documents and thought that he was better suited to manage her affairs. So that's how the system really works in the U.S. Thank you very much, Jessica. It's fascinating learning how, you know, U.S. jurisdictions are very, I mean, there's similarities and key differences to the U.K. What, what I will do, I'll turn over to Nadine now, obviously, to cover some of the U.K. makeup of the lasting power of attorney system, and then we'll open up to some Q&As. So Nadine. Yes, thank you. So as Jessica's discussed, the Britney Spears case provides a stark illustration of what can happen if your financial affairs are not managed by someone you trust. And in the UK, there may be a number of reasons why you might need someone to make decisions for you or act on your behalf. Now, this could be just a temporary situation. For example, you may need a lasting power of attorney if you're in hospital and need help with everyday tasks such as paying bills. You may need to make longer term plans if you've recently been diagnosed with dementia 
and are likely to lose mental capacity to make your own decisions in the future. Some people assume that if they're married or in a civil partnership, their partner will automatically be able to deal with your bank account and pensions. However, without a lasting power of attorney, party won't actually have authority to do so. You need to have that document in place. The same applies to making decisions about your spouse's health and welfare. Now, in the UK, if you were to lose mental capacity and do not have an LPA in place, an application to the court should be made and a deputy will be appointed for you by the Court of Protection. So you may ask, well, what's the problem of that? The deputy will have the power to make decisions on your behalf. However, you can't choose your attorney and the processes of appointing one can be lengthy and costly. And as in the American system, you would have to make an application every year for that um, deputy to be reappointed. To avoid this, you should make sure to appoint your attorneys and register your application with the Office of the Public Guardian whilst you still have capacity. An LPA, therefore, is a way of giving someone you trust, your attorney, the legal authority to make decisions on your behalf if you lose the mental capacity to do so in the future. The same can be said if you no longer want to make decisions for yourself. It can be temporary or longer standing. So in the UK, as in the US system, you can get two types of LPA. So one can be for finances and the other can be for deciding health and welfare. You may have an LPA in place and may never have to rely on it. However, if you lack mental capacity and are unable to communicate specific decisions at the time, your attorney can step in to help. It's important to note that they must always act in your best interests when making decisions on your behalf. So if, for example, there is a concern about an attorney and you're unhappy about the decisions they're making and you believe that they're actually acting unconscionably and fraudulently, for example, misappropriating your funds from your bank account, there are means and ways of dealing with that. So you could always report them to the Office of the Public Guardian and they have a responsibility to monitor attorneys. From that, they can investigate um, the allegations of mistreatment or fraud and they can also report concerns to another agency such as the police or social services if appropriate. Thank you. So it's very clear there's a lot of similarities and uh, some key differences between the two systems. One in particular is a safeguarding approach. So sort of looking at Brittany's situation, I'd be interested to see from, from both of you really, you know, this individual that's fairly vulnerable and, um, you know, could be to an extent seem to be taken advantage of. I mean, turning to Jessica first, what do you feel, you know, the real safeguarding measures that can be applied here in the US for Brittany? What would be the key safeguarding measures well, like I was saying earlier, I'm not sure if she's had proper powers of attorney or a healthcare proxy in place. Had she had those documents in place, typically there's no need for a conservatorship or a guardianship because those documents have a higher priority over the court appointing someone for you on your behalf. And even so, what I typically do for my clients here, when they execute those documents, I include a, a clause that basically says, if there's ever a need for, you know, a conservatorship or a guardianship, I would prefer to have the persons that I've named in my document be the court appointed conservator or guardian. So it's trying to place as much choice in the hands of the vulnerable or protected person and allowing them to decide who's going to be responsible for their health decisions and their financial decisions. Again, in this case, I'm not really sure about the entire history. I'm certainly not one of those people that try to look up the court records because I do believe that this is a very sensitive situation. But I would have to imagine that in order for the court to appoint her father, 
if she did have those documents in place, either the individual who was appointed maybe didn't want that responsibility anymore. So I always recommend having a succession of people named if something like that were to happen, or perhaps he was the person named in those documents. But now that he has this sort of control, maybe she's feeling that, you know, he's not fit to make decisions for her. There's definitely a lot of controversy surrounding what he's done as the person managing her assets. I've even heard some chatter online saying that there are just certain things she won't do anymore, like perform, as long as he is the acting conservator. So, you know, there's a lot of questions in regards to whether or not the court is going to start taking into consideration what her wishes are. Hired her own legal team and they've been going to court and they have been, you know, filing motions and petitions on her behalf. So I would have to imagine the need for a full conservatorship is probably going to be greatly scrutinized over the next couple of months. It's sounding like to me that she may not need a full conservatorship anymore. But again, who knows? Because there are medical records that come into play in these types of proceedings. And, you know, those are usually impounded by the court. You you can't access them for privacy reasons. So I am really curious about the important details that are going into this proceeding. And you know, is it true what the public is saying? Is she being taken advantage of or does her dad really have her best interests at play? I think one of the main concerning things that the documentary brought out was this issue of obviously profiting. It made a very clear reference, I believe, at the end that there was a potential percentage uplift on the uh, conservatorship, which uh, obviously has its own concerns and motives, I think. Slightly concerning. Um, Nadine, turning to you then. So protection elements... In the UK, what what sort of your view on uh, you know sort of the the abuse of a vulnerable adult and how we we sort of deal with it over here? So it's sort of similar to the US system. So we would always recommend that when you are looking to appoint someone as your attorney, you sort of choose at least two people to do that for you, and you should always have a backup as well. So reserve attorneys. So if one or both of your attorneys that you've originally appointed can no longer or are no longer willing to um, sort of act on your behalf, you would at least have a reserve. And it's really important that when you make these decisions that you pick people that you trust. Ordinarily, I, I find that individuals appoint people in their family, close friends, but it's really someone that you know that you can trust with big financial decisions. These aren't small decisions that they'll be making. They'll be having access to your bank accounts and other financial information and also making such important decisions as as to your health and welfare too. And there was a case where I had a friend whose brother was in hospital and he couldn't make decisions for himself because he didn't have a lasting power of attorney. And the doctors had to refuse giving him treatment, even though the family disagreed with that. But because he didn't have the capacity at the time, he was in a vegetative state. The doctors essentially had to, to make that decision for him. So obviously to avoid something like that from happening, it's always important to have an LPA in place. It doesn't matter how old you are. It's, I'd say, it's essential. I think that's key, Nadine, isn't it? I mean, in the UK, very much timing is critical because you obviously have to try and get in prior to, you know, capacity being lost. Jessica, in the US, is it very similar there where the system, I guess, is very hard to function if you've already lost capacity? Absolutely. So when you're at the point where you lose capacity, then that's, you know, and you don't have those documents in place. And that is when someone needs to go to court on your behalf to petition to be your conservator or guardian. 
I generally recommend here for my clients that as soon as they turn the age of 18, that's when they're you know legally able to sign legal documents of their own accord, that they should get those essential documents in place like a lasting power of attorney and a healthcare proxy, and even in some cases, a last will and testament. So I always say the sooner you do it, the better. I'm not sure in the UK if this is true as well, but you know who you may appoint at the age of 18 to be your power of attorney or your healthcare proxy may not be the person you want to make decisions for you the rest of your life. As long as you have capacity and you're competent, you can always make changes to these documents down the line. We don't have a registration requirement as you do in the UK. These are sort of documents that we keep on hand as the attorney and you submit them to various institutions who may require them. Right. So, I mean, over here, I mean, Nadine will probably will comment on this. It's a much more restrictive system because over here, the system requires pretty much registration of the documents to prevent any error at registration at a later date. So you'd probably agree, Nadine, that obviously documents, they should be registered at first first instance. Yes, definitely. And because when you send those documents off, the Office of the Public Guardian, obviously, their official stamp, and then that is a stamp which is recognised by institutions like banks. And without that, that's obviously, it's not going to be accepted. I know that removing one of the attorneys is possible. You need to send a notification to the Office of the Public Guardian. I believe you need to cite the reasons sort of behind why you want to modify and change it. But I don't think it's as flexible as the US system by the sounds of it. And as you say, someone you appoint at 18, there's no guarantee that you're, you're going to want the same person to deal with your financial matters as well as health and welfare. So it's an interesting topic actually to consider, especially in, in light of this case with Britney Spears. Definitely. Right. So I'd like to thank you both for being on the show. Just in closing, Jessica, anything you'd like to add with regards to guardianship and powers of attorney? I think the big takeaway from both the system in the United Kingdom and the United States is as soon as you are able to, I would highly recommend that you get your power of attorney in place in the United States, a healthcare proxy as well. I think that's really crucial to ensure that you have the person of your choosing making important decisions for you if you're not able to. Excellent. And also, especially important to business owners. Directors, CEOs, you know, they priority, I think, should be given to those people as well who are running organizations. Nadine, yourself? Yes. I mean, I'll say that again, going back to whether you can change your attorney, it's important to remember that you can make changes for as long as you have capacity to do so. So I would recommend that as long as you're over the age of 18, there's no reason why you can't sort of register your lasting power of attorney. You know, you can do it with the help of a solicitor. We do provide that service here at Mancini Legal. Court fees are relatively cheap as well. It's £82, I believe, per power of attorney. So it's a small price to pay just to have that sort of security. And, you know, you pay insurance um, for so many things. You pay mobile phone insurance, home insurance. This is the biggest insurance on your life, really, just to make sure that your wishes and feelings are carried out if the worst were to happen. Excellent. The only one thing I wanted to add is when you were talking about potential like conflicts of interest. So when Jessica was saying about, or when you were mentioning the uplift on the um, fees, etc., there wasn't there that argument that Britney Spears is paying for her legal fees, her dad's legal fees are coming out of it. So essentially, there's a conflict of interest there. 
Nadine, thank you very much. So just covering off uh, the conclusion of the show, framing Britney Spears, there was clear guidance given that Jamie Spears was obviously making a potential profit. I think that's how it was termed, a percentage uplift from the conservatorship. Jessica, what's your view on that in connection to any conflict that happens between the parties donor, donor and donee? Yeah, so this is quite difficult because typically with conservatorships under the U.S. system, if you are acting on someone's behalf and you are spending your time in having to maybe come up with a financial plan, manage assets, I mean, I would imagine that Britney Spears has a massive estate and there's so many different elements that go into her conservatorship. You know, she's a global pop star. So one of the things that her dad is probably doing is managing deals on her behalf, contracts and, you know, things of that nature. In Massachusetts, and I'm certain that this is pretty uniform across the U.S., a conservator is entirely entitled to ask for a fee for his or her time while acting. And if that conservator is also incurring any sort of legal fees, then that can also come out of the protected person's assets as well. So it's quite difficult because, you know, as you said, he's getting a fee for being her conservator. His legal fees are are being covered. She has her own team of attorneys, which is also coming out of her assets. And so really this conservatorship is costing quite a lot of money. You know, whether or not the fees that he's taking are fair, I would have to imagine in this case, because there is, you know, that conflict that he probably has to submit to the court what he's requesting for fees and they have to approve it. I do know that, as I said earlier, in Massachusetts, you have to provide a full accounting to the court every year. So anything, even a penny that comes out of someone's bank account or investment account, the court's going to look at that. And again, if they feel like that conservator has abused their discretion, the court may require that conservator to pay back those monies. And so while I know that it's not entirely fair, it's could be perfectly permissible um, and reasonable. We really don't know, right? Yeah, exactly. And, it, you know, I mean, the way you've described the system, it's very heavily audited. We are the Late Night Lawyer on air with Alex Mancini. Jessica and Nadine, I want to really thank you for being on the show. Without doubt, this is um, a highly topical uh, subject, obviously affecting many people. And without a doubt, the, the documentary as a whole I found quite moving really when you when you look at the journey that this young lady has taken and the career success she took in the early days when obviously the first single and the first part of her career started leading up to how the elements of control and how people in her life had a massive impact on what this young I'd say fairly vulnerable young lady could do going forward throughout you know the success of her career so a fantastic documentary a very interesting one and uh, if you haven't watched it and i hope you have obviously found today's overview about the documentary and how you know in in the legal world how this is a massive topic that has come to light and how it can affect anybody so it's highly topical hope you found today interesting um, keep your messages coming in to info at thelatenightlawyer.com. We have many topics coming up over the course of the next three to four weeks. 
stamp duty. That is a massive topic as well. And we are going to be covering that in the next episode with stamp duty potential extensions talked about now. Um, the stamp duty holiday is a massive topic and one which we will be following very closely here at The Late Night Lawyer. So I want to really thank Jessica and Nadine for being on the show today. It's been fascinating learning how the two systems work. I mean, there's a lot of messages that have come out of today's show, mainly the fact that these are time critical things in people's lives that they should consider. You know, the future, they should consider mental capacity, how it can be affected at any time in someone's life and that the wheels in motion that an individual needs to put in place to ensure they're protected. These are key factors that people should consider. In the UK, lasting powers of attorney, readily available, can be fairly straightforward to set up. And, you know, we would be happy at Mansion Eagle to guide anyone through the, the process and assist anybody in obviously taking up this very important key task in their life. So here on The Late Night Lawyer, we will be doing subtopics, sub-programs, on lasting powers of attorney as we lead into season two. So we've got a lot of topical subjects coming up, which I think a lot of you will find very interesting. And as always, any questions, any suggestions, send them in info at thelatenightlawyer.com. So in closing tonight, we're going to play you a tune. This tune, actually, I've had a lot of emails asking to replay this song. This was on the first season of The Late Night Lawyer. It's produced by Danny Tavalieri and written by him, and it's called Love is Blind. Danny Tavalieri, keep safe, everyone. We're almost out of this horrible mess of a situation, and uh, I look forward to seeing you all again on the next Late Night Lawyer next week. Take care. I love